You are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production. That goes for most people. We overestimate what we can do in one year and we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. Uh, so I just completely overestimated what uh, what I would be capable of and how to do it. Um, and that's one, one thing I've learned and my coach have learned as well, how to plan the season the proper way. Because of course you look at the race schedule in the, in the beginning of the year and you think like, uh, oh, we can do this, that and everything. Like, And of course I'll win everything. <laughs> uh, but it's, but it's, it's not like that in the, in reality so um, that's that's one big takeaway from year, this year of, of both racing and like life in general the fact that I'm a human being and not a machine so I have to respect kind of the normal life that was Daniel Beckegaard this is Marnie Salop Thanks for tuning into my podcast Marnie on the Move each week I will be inviting interesting innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today, on the Marnie on the Move Kona 2022 Triathlon Series, I sync up with Danish professional triathlete Daniel Beckergaard. Daniel is one of the most inspiring athletes I've spoken with on the podcast, and he is on a mission to make an impact on the world with every move he makes and sponsors he works with. He is an emerging talent on the long distance triathlon scene, but competition is in his DNA. At an early age, he was a competitive swimmer and had a career in junior swimming where he won over 20 national titles. In 2014, he switched over to triathlon as part of the youth national team. In 2019, he moved over to long-distance triathlon, winning his debut Ironman in Austria and qualifying for his first Ironman World Championships in Hawaii. Since then, he has been crushing it on Ironman and 70.3 distance races, as well as with PTO. This week, he's competing in Ironman World Championships in Kona on Saturday, October 8th and we will be cheering for him for sure. Daniel and I sync up to chat about what he loves about the sport, because he really does, some key life and triathlon lessons he has learned over the past few years through sport, what he is looking forward to racing in Kona, and his plans post-world championships. We also geek out on gear, and I ask him a lot of questions about his favorite sponsors, and why. We do a deep dive into Carbon Soul running shoes, his favorite brand, and how he eases into these shoes for longer runs and races. He also currently has my favorite bike, the Canyon Speedmax 
CFR. He's got some really cool DT Swiss Arc 1100 wheels with ceramic speed components and Schwab tires. His helmet, Met Drone, powered by Red Bull. And I'll let him tell you about the rest. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It is easy. Just go over to the Apple device you're listening to the podcast on, scroll through the Marnie on the Move episodes at the bottom, hit five stars, and then hit leave a review and tell us what you love. Share this episode in your screenshots, in your social channels. Tag us. We'll tag you back. And if you're just dialing in, it's the Super Bowl of triathlon this week. The 2022 VinFast Ironman World Championship taking place in Kailua, Kona for the first time in three years. All week long on the Money on the Move podcast, I will be bringing you top professional athletes and thought leaders from around the globe. Now, on to my conversation with Daniel. Daniel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so excited to connect with you. You're such an incredible athlete. I'm excited to be on your podcast. I want to dial it back for a second because I know for my triathlete listeners, I know they all know who you are, your journey into this sport, but maybe you can take me back to when did you get into triathlon and when did you go pro? I have a background of being a competitive swimmer. Um, And in my, like... When I was 12, 13 years old, I, my coach kind of introduced me to triathlon in a sense that he went and did the Klagenfurt uh, Ironman. Okay. And I thought, like, I've always loved uh, endurance sport, um, mostly like, like actually swimming, cycling and running. So, um, but only as like different sports, not really triathlon. Then all of a sudden, I watched him do the the Ironman in in Klagenfurt, and I started watching on YouTube. You know, all the um, the iconic uh, NBC uh, footage of Hawaii and everything. And st- just did a like local race, twenty kilometers from home, and I was just instantly hooked. I thought it was it was awesome. I could I let out of the water with like three minutes to number two and lost everything in the first transition and I thought like even though I was so bad at it I thought it was it was a great sport and like the community around triathlon was just it was just an awesome thing because I felt like coming from swimming it's very reserved so if you're not like the top in in the sport you're basically nothing a very unhealthy kind of growth environment but in triathlon it's the exact opposite. Um, of course, we race each other, and there's a lot of competitive edge. But at the same time, it's like everybody respects each other in a whole other way than I've experienced before. And we kind of just won. I, I think most of us are just we we just love the sport, yeah. and and that was kind of the um, from my first race actually. That was kind of the vibe I got and. Also, what just have carried me uh, on from that point. I start, I kind of just got into it a little bit as a rehab from a broken arm, uh, swimming or cycling and running uh, during my rehab. And the fact that I could actually be like, I could, I could go out on a bike ride with my best friends and actually feel like 
that was the social element of it. The fact that we, we could just go out and have a chat and uh, solve the world situation uh, in a three-hour bike ride or whatever. It was just cool when, you, when you're when used to kind of just stare at the black line. It's it's a whole other uh, feeling you get when you're training. And, and that's all, it's also a feeling I... I missed doing um, like only only swimming. You probably didn't even know that it existed because as a, no, like a exactly. swimmer, when you do these single sports, I feel like even like tennis, there's no nobody's friends. Like there's no like social component. And I'm saying that not being a professional athlete and not having spoken to anyone, but I don't really see it on national television. You don't feel that. You know, it's super super competitive in a really different way yeah the, the fact the fact that you're just uh, of course we have like in the locker room and everything that's the normal kind of social element but yeah. you you just basically you're underwater so of course you're not talking yeah, while training but yeah. but now i can go out on a five-hour bike ride with my best friends and feel like you get that kind of uh, social yeah. stimulus um and and that's you know, I, I just love that part of it. Uh, I love that part of triathlon, and and the fact that you can actually you you can actually go out when I'm on training camps uh, somewhere where other professional athletes or just athletes uh, are also training, and we can go out together. And like the fact that you can meet new people through sport, that's that's an awesome thing. Yeah. Um, when you're a professional and that's your job, it really makes it even better kind of like confirming that you're doing what you love you're doing all the great training and you also love what you do and you like the people you work with especially with like pto and ironman yeah exactly yeah. exactly what was your first race where you were like it's time to go pro i was through the the national junior ranks okay. um in like i did um you know the the sprint distance events typically some european cups and stuff and I was not that good at it, so I decided to, I decided to try my my luck on the on the longer distances. Uh -huh. So it was actually just kind of a normal transition from being on the national team to go pro. Like uh, I just applied for a professional license, and then it was the only thing that was actually on my mind, uh, to be honest. Um, so the decision was quite easy, and that was that was in two thousand and eighteen, but. I think there's a big step from, you know, you're racing as a professional, you have a professional license to actually being a professional. And that was not only, I, I think that was in 2009, late August, maybe 2019. I thought like, okay, this is, uh, this is now I can actually say that I'm a, I'm a pro. And I, yeah, I felt like I, I deserve to call myself a professional. Because you did the work leading into it. And in 2019, you came in 15th in the Ironman World Championships in Kona, right? Yeah, yeah. And now this sure. is like your chance to level up in this week. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so what have you learned between then and now? If you had to take, I know you've probably learned like you've got, you know, thousands of data points and info. But, you know, between just talking about Kona. Like you've done it, you've been there, you experienced it, and now you're going back and you're going to take it to a new level. So maybe like a couple of big things. I think one big thing was the fact that 
the first time I went there, I thought like it was this mythical and it is kind of a mythical race. And, you know, I kind of realized pretty quick that it's, it's a race as any other race kind of, of course, it's a world championship. So it's a stacked field, but I, I kind of feared how things were, would be. Um, and and this time around, that that's a huge thing I've learned. First of all, it's the same for everybody, and it's it's not that like it's not that bad. Because <laughs> because every every Ironman and every PCO race, like it's you know it's it's a tough race no matter what. So it's it's not it's not that Hawaii is way worse than any other race. It's right. it's just it's other obstacles that you have to kind of go through. So I think that's, that's the, the biggest, uh, bit, the biggest takeaway I, I kind of realized in, in 2019. So a lot of it is mental because you know, you're, yeah. you're setting, you're putting something in your mind that maybe isn't real, that doesn't exist. It's just like another race. And then you also really have to be prepared for it to be the hardest race you've ever done. Yeah, exactly. So it could yeah. be like every other race or it could be the hardest race you've ever done. Yeah, exactly. But I'd say, so So that's that's the fact that everybody says that Kona is the toughest Ironman out there. Yeah. And and for me, that's not true. Yeah. Because I, uh, I did the Ironman World Championships in St. George and that was by far the hardest race I've ever done. So how would you compare the two? To be honest, the bike course is pretty boring and in in Kona it's an out and back and of course there's the like smaller rolling hills and the heat and the winds um but the first 90 kilometers they are not that like difficult I'd say where it's it's the last 90 kilometers where everything just goes crazy and what I experienced in in St. George that was from the first meter things were just crazy like on the bike it was we rode so hard in order to kind of just not let anyone get get back into the race. Yeah. Because um, that was what we had to do in order to kind of uh, uh, make sure Christian would not get yeah. get uh, up get up to the front. And the, um, the course is really different, right? In in Utah, completely being... different. And it, it would just it would just suck every ounce of energy out of your legs, like all the hills constantly changing like rhythm and everything it's 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 so difficult to kind of ride that course perfect the perfect way so now Um, you might appreciate this like highway that's long and you can build speed i mean there is wind and heat but it's not the same definitely but then again I, i also know that there, there will be some other factors uh, that will make it like insanely tough, um, especially on the run course. Yes. Uh, and we, we did not have that humidity in, in uh, St. George, and I think it was like 32 degrees or so. Um, so, so it, of course, there will be other factors and other stuff we have to work on um, during the race in Hawaii that, was, that, that would not challenge us that much in, uh, in St. George. Um, but I feel like it, it's it's kind of because we've had a world championship in in Hawaii that many, many years, mm-hmm. we kind of know what happens and how it happens. Um, 
this time compared to 2019, I feel like the level stepped up a lot. So yeah, maybe it will not be the complete same way uh, racing w- will be will be done. But it's kind of we still have an idea on, on how to race it, and that was the difficult part in St George because nobody knew how to race it. Yeah, um, and I think that's also a cool thing we i hope to implement um the fact that the world championship course could kind of move from place to place because then we could have some exciting racing yeah that would be exciting because you would never know but now that you do know i mean i think a huge part of this is the weather right i mean it's you know how hot it is how humid it is where the wind is coming from and since the you know, Ironman World Championships have been in the same place. <laughs> At least you know every condition. Nutrition and hydration are some of the most important things that you are thinking about as an athlete in this in Definitely. Kona. So how do you sh- how yeah, do you no shift doubt. it? Like how have you shifted it from like the dry, arid heat in Utah to Hawaii and humidity? So what we've done is uh, just. A whole bunch of testing. Um, <laughs> we, I put up a, a heat tent, and we kind of just made the climate and the tent the same as Hawaii would be, and then just test like everything on the how much I sweat, uh, how much uh, fluid I lose, I lose during an hour, and like salt rates everything in order to just know how like how much to get in and what to get in on race day and is this the first time um, like during this period of training that you've done something like that no i've actually done s- similar stuff but that that was more towards uh, 70.3 racing okay. uh, in order to and of course that that would be other things not not like of course how, how much energy i can tolerate but mm-hmm. but it would maybe also be like caffeine and stuff how that will would affect body temperature and whatever interesting that's so interesting that uh, and i think that is basically w- what it takes to to deliver a like a high performance um the fact that we know we know close to everything on the start line and then of course we'll we'll get some uh, some bumps along the way where things were not as we thought it would be and yeah then we work from there is that one of the things that you enjoy about the sport is like the not knowing and the challenges i think the 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 thing i love the most about triathlon is the fact that it's so complex there's so many small things you can twist and turn all the time yeah and, and that's that's you know because it's three sports we have to combine it and we all so we have to like look at it as an individual sports but we also have to combine it and figure out how to do that the best way and then we have of course the the fourth discipline as the nutrition on the side and that's you know that's equally as as important when we when we race for for eight hours so um i I, that's that's what i love about about triathlon the fact that there's so many things you can always learn and then so you know in between you know the um, world championships in utah and now you know and and you just did pto and there were some other races in between over the last like six months is there anything that you've like really learned about yourself as an athlete that you are proud of and then is there anything that you're like really looking to change um one thing i'm very proud of is the fact that i've i feel like even 
even though I've had bad days doing racing, I've still kind of done pretty well. So, and, and that's also one thing I've like for the last couple of years, I've thought a lot about the fact that the best athletes are the ones who uh, can perform when things do not go their way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, Cause, cause that's, that's one thing I've struggled a lot with in my early years in, in triathlon and also swimming. The fact that I would just drop it. If one thing just went wrong, I would drop it completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I can actually, yeah, become European champion, even though I did not, I felt like terrible, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the whole day, um, stuff like that. And, and that's actually, I'm very proud of that. Uh, I think that's a cool, uh, because I, I know what what it kind of takes to to turn things around that in, yeah. in that way. So so that's that's what I'm most proud of. You have to have a lot of um, mental strength. That is, it is a real challenge. You have to get it together and pivot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you know, I think that goes for most people. Mm-hmm. We overestimate what we can do in one year, and we underestimate what we can do in ten years. Yeah. Uh, so. I just completely overestimated what uh, what I would be capable of and how to do it, yeah. um, and that's one one thing I've learned and my coach have learned as well, how to how to plan the season the proper way. Because um, of course you look at the race schedule in the in the beginning of the year and you think like, uh, oh, we can do this, that, and everything. Like, yeah. and of course I'll win everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's but it's it's not like that in the in reality so um that's that's one big takeaway from year, this year of of both racing and like life in general the fact that i'm a human being and not a machine so i have to respect kind of the normal life all right shout out to our series partners neotene neotene is my new favorite protein and electrolyte supplement It's the perfect quick hit after a training session for a protein boost and rehydration. It's easy to use. Just add one of the single-serve packets to water. Neotene's protein packets are great for a ride, run, or busy day on the go. They fit into your pockets or your bag. Made in the USA with straightforward, high-quality ingredients, Neotene has no unnecessary additives sugars, or fillers. It's just 45 calories with a light, refreshing flavor that tastes great. Founder, triathlete, and mom worked for years to develop a protein supplement that provided the protein she needed that tasted great and was easy to add to her busy life. Right now, it's time to start smart fueling and getting the nutrients you need. Neotene is offering Marnie on the Move listeners 20% off. Use our code MARNIE20, that's M-A-R-N-I-2-0, on their website, neotene.com. That's N-E-O-T-E-I-N, to get started. Also, shout out to series partners, Revitin. Revitin is my go-to when it comes to toothpaste and oral health. I have been using it for years. Revitin is a prebiotic toothpaste that is an all-natural vitamin and mineral rich formulation that gently cleanses, whitens teeth, and freshens breath while helping to restore gums and reduce harmful plaque. It's free of SLS, synthetic detergents, or additives and contains no harsh chemicals, fluoride, 
artificial colors, sweeteners, or dyes. Created by biologic dentist Dr. Jerry Curatola years ago when he recognized the need for a new and effective oral care product that could support sustainable health within the mouth. Revitin fosters a balanced oral environment with beneficial microorganisms that optimize nutrient absorption and act as the body's first line of defense. The oral microbiome is the gateway to optimal full body health. So make sure you take care of it with a great toothpaste that does not have fluoride or harmful chemicals. Get started now with Revitin Prebiotic Toothpaste. Use our code MARNIE15 at Revitin.com to jumpstart your health. That's M-A-R-N-I-1515 at Revitin, R-E-V-I-T-I-N.com. Now, back to our conversation. You have to respect the process. I think I feel like this is something, you know, whether you're an athlete or an entrepreneur or founder or you're working at a job, you have to dream big, but also be present. So you have to put all the races on your calendar and put into the universe that you are going to win. But then you have to have this dose of reality that that might not all happen. And I might also be giving myself some advice right now. I live that too. You want to do it all and you know you can, but then you really probably can't because you're not a machine. But in theory, all things seem possible. And I think that's a great thing to think and have that vision. And the same thing also accept when things are not as you thought it would be in the, in the first place. That, that's a very important thing to be able to accept situations as they come along, even though it's, it's maybe not the, the perfect way you imagine it to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning some of those lessons. In addition to just mental strength, you also have some like really cool partners that you work with and sponsors that I was looking at. First of all, I love your bike, the Speedmax, the Canyon <laughs> Speedmax. Especially the paint job. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, it is. Have you been running on that for a long time or are you, since you started? Yeah. yeah. So that, that's kind of the approach me and my manager we had from, from the beginning, the fact that we started working together in 2019. And we sat down and wrote on a piece of paper what sponsors I would like to work with. And I think, to be honest, there's only one we are missing. So, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's a pretty, I think we've, we've done a pretty who good job. Who is it? Can you um, say who it is that you want? Uh, I think yeah, I can't. I can't. You can't. Say that. Okay. <laughs> so, you, so you have someone on your vision board, but they're not on board yet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but I think that's, it's so cool to to actually be able to to work with people who they have so so that's one thing i have to learn as well the fact that they have ambitions on my side as well right so they they will yeah and they will not be they they are not mad for me to to ask it asking a bunch of questions all the time and and uh, like giving them feedback and and stuff uh, actually quite the opposite they love it and that's one one thing i have to learn because i my introduction to the sport was was like I have to do anything, everything myself, yeah. kind of. Um, it's expensive, and it's also a lot. Yeah. Yeah, true. At the same time, we we have to deliver on on the biggest stage and on like absolute world world yeah. class. And and if we do not believe in the in the or if we have some smaller changes in in the equipment uh, we have and stuff, then. Of course, we need to figure out a way to get it. Um, and it was not only until I realized the fact that 
they my partners will actually like do anything in the world to uh, yeah so for example uh, fit my bike properly or like have the best helmet uh, possible with yeah. en- enough ventilation and everything um it's stuff like that it's just it's so cool to and I, f- I feel very blessed to be able to to be in a position where I can actually work with guys like that yeah well I know that Canyon is like just they're such a great company as a like a culture I've interviewed a lot of the women on their cycling team that were in the Tour de France and just work with them on different things and you know they just have such a good culture and vibe so I get I totally get that I'm doing a gear review coming up in October and I'm curious about your running shoes because you run in the Nike Alpha Fly shoes, right? So tell me about these shoes because I've never tried them and I'm, I'm dying to try them. Yeah. Are they awesome? Yeah. So I, I ran in the new Alpha Flies this in, uh, yeah, here in Dallas. So for the last six years, I've, I've been running in Nike uh, because I've not been injured and I just love the shoes. Right. Um, so I'll not change that for anything. I'd say the... Right now, I feel like I'm not good enough to run in the uh, in the Alpha Flies. Ah. Uh, I've I've not had had enough kilometers in the in the shoes yet. Yeah, and and that's the thing with the new carbon plated shoes. You have to be very good. Like you you have to train a lot in the shoes in order to get the most out of it, right. uh, because they change they change your style of running a little bit. So I've been training a lot in the next percent, and I think I'm gonna stick to that for for Hawaii because. Yeah. I just feel I feel more comfortable in that shoe right now. Uh, so maybe when I have some more time to actually get get the mileage in in the Alpha Flies, then I can also use them for train for racing as well. So when you say get the mileage in and just the carbon sole shoes, I'm very curious about that. So obviously, when you get a new pair of sneakers, you're gonna run in them a few times. If it's a new kind of sneaker and a new different sneaker, right? And if mm-hmm. it's a, you know, so you have to kind of get your body used to it. And with the carbon soles, it's a very different feeling. So how do you break in the shoes? What? So for race day, I have a complete new pair of shoes. Of course, I have like three or four races in each shoes. But I have a pair of shoes. So like the one, the ones I did racing in this uh, early earlier this year, I'll use those for tempo or interval sessions. Okay. Because um, I feel like that's it's a good way to get like quality work in and also they take care of the legs pretty well so they will i will not get as sore that means i can do more quality work during the week okay um and so so if i do right now i've been doing of course all that work in the next percent okay. uh, then my kind of style of running and my feel for the ground and everything uh, that goes to the next percent that's because that's the style of of running i've i've done my simple work in and then for every other run sessions i i do it in the pegasus uh the new pegasus turbo or the invincibles and that's um, just a couple because, miles yeah yeah because i feel like like for all my easy sessions so to to be fair it's only like 30 i'll say maybe 30 to 50 kilometers in, in carbon plated, uh, uh, yeah, 30 kilometers in carbon plated shoes per week. Okay. Uh, and then, so yeah. And then there would be like 90 kilometers in, in regular shoes. 
And so ultimately, you want to make that transition for the Ironman or for a major race where you're planning to win into the carbon plated shoes, but you have to kind of like get your body used to running in them because your form kinds of kind of shifts. Yeah, exactly. And have you felt a big difference or seen a big difference in your running between the two? I think for a heavier guy, I'm like uh, 78 kilos. So I think I get a lot of help from the carbon plated shoes. Uh, Also the fact that they are, they do not kill my legs completely. So I, I've seen a huge difference okay. in uh, like uh, in my running. It, it's actually been quite fun to see, um, especially the World Triathlon Series. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's some some of the guys who were very good runners before the car- carbon plated shoes came into the picture, and then afterwards they ju- just kind of disappeared. I, I, I'm curious if if that's to the carbon plated shoes or if it's something outside of sports. You never know. Uh, but you see. Great example is like Mario Mola. He was by far the best runner in the sport before carbon plated shoes. And all of a sudden he did not win anything for like five years or so. I'm not sure if it's that or personal stuff, but I am curious to see if if people again, uh, like if certain people get a, a bigger advantage of the carbon plated shoes than others. I've run in a couple different brands, so I'm not going to mention them. And certain ones feel better than others. And some of it, when I'm running, it's it's a very hard mm-hmm. landing. Like, even though they're super fast and they have, like, bounce. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just – I'm testing them out personally. But I haven't – I can't say whether or not I like them or don't like them because I haven't done enough running in them. Talk to me about your helmet. So cool. Yeah, so actually it's a, it's a two-in-one. So I have a partnership with Matt. Um we went to the track and tested all helmets I could get hold of, and it was the Met that the Met drone that tested the fastest than me. And uh, we re- reached out to Met, and they were more than happy to do a collaboration. So that's also that's something I'm very excited about because in a couple of years' time, we'll do uh, like work on on a t- new time trial helmet as well, and okay. I think. It's stuff, stuff like that to be able to to kind of push limits of uh, of production, like uh, helmet-wise, equipment-wise and stuff. That's it's just cool to be a part of. Everything has to feel so organic. Like you, it has to feel like you're just being you without having any gear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to have the gear that just suits you so well. Yeah. And then, of course, having Red Bull painted on the helmet, that's, uh, that's pretty cool as well. That, that's like a childhood dream come true yeah. to work with those guys i love red bull um, so, yeah yeah that's uh i don't really know how to put it into words but it's like waking up every, every day and i'm just proud to represent you know it's uh that's cool yeah they have um, a great brand and i love the content they, they put out on social and what they stand for yeah that's uh is awesome and then uh i i would actually say the one that that is i think it's more of a personal preference but that's uh to work with hip a solar system company in uh, in germany because i think everybody talks about sustainability and like what it like that we have to be sustainable and everything but before 2020 i was not really i did not know what i could do because it seemed like 
a thing that was a bit too like it was more on a government governmental level than actually a personal level yeah um so so other than you know turn off uh, uh, electronics and stuff and and drive less i did not really know how to like what to do in order to to be sustainable um then i started to work work with help and that just opened my my eyes to what i can do as a as a like of course i'm a, a smaller part of the puzzle but right. what can i what can i do to uh, just on the on a daily basis to actually you know um be more sustainable and make the the right decisions um for me personally it's it's been like getting an electric car and um and basically starting not to u- use plastic um when it's possible to just have your own bags with you if you go out down to the grocery shopping and everything um smaller stuff that actually makes a, a pretty big impact um, it and it's fun because because after after i started doing those those things it's i came to the u.s and it's it's just seems so crazy the fact that everything every time you go to grocery shopping or a big sensor it's like multiple plastic bags you get w- with you back home with groceries in it and it seems so unnecessary um I feel like we've had to, we've gone through that change like we carry all of our own shopping bags and everyone can contribute in whatever way that they can and I think it makes a big difference and I think but I think it's also very important to educate the same way I got educated because I didn't I, th- I thought it couldn't really do an impact on yeah. an, anything and I and I think that's the most important most important part the fact that just tell people what they can do and how easy it actually is to, to do a, a impact that, you know, some, some people would maybe think before that it was not worth it, but yeah. it actually is. Who makes your kits? Does that help too? Or they are like, they're not. They're... So all my kit, that's fusion, uh, okay. Danish brand. Okay. And, and they've been with me for, yeah, since day one of my professional career. Uh, so fusion and Canyon, that's like, that was the first guys that uh, believed in that's me. Awesome. So that's that. That's also a special part. Um, and they are based um, in Jutland in Denmark. Um, and they just the cool thing about Fusion is the fact that I I feel every time I speak to them that they have the same visions as I do for uh, just for their field of competence. And um, yeah. so so yesterday yesterday you saw on the bike we had like. In top ten, I think uh, six of us wore uh, uh, fusion. I think yeah. that's a pretty uh, a statement that talks for itself, yeah. <laughs> kind of. I think it's so cool. And are you gonna do anything after the race? Are you staying longer? Like, are you gonna get to see the sites? So this year, because it's so expensive mm-hmm. to go there, my family will not be there, and b- because of that, I'll not hang around too much. I mm-hmm. I thought like if if my family would be there. And if my girlfriend would be there, then uh, we could have some kind of smaller vacation. But I also have a 70.3 World Championships in um, in the end of October in St. George. Okay. Um, so I'll go there. I have a fantastic uh, host family. I'll stay with um, my girlfriend will come over and then we'll enjoy some time. Nice. Um, between the two world championships are there other races after that uh i think i think actually i'll go to uh 
I think I'll go to Israel and do the Ironman Israel just because I I've heard through many people that Israel is actually one of the coolest places they've ever been. And I'd, I'd love to go to Tel Aviv. So uh, it's kind of mixing, uh, mixing work and pleasure. Um, Having, you're into music, I, I think right? So t- is that yeah, part exactly. of it? Like they have some of the best DJs and music. So I think I'll, I'll do the race and then I'll have like, yeah, one week or 10 days just cruising around Tel Aviv and seeing some new places, trying some new food. That's kind of like another thing that's just so cool about this sport is that you can do it like all around the world. And whether you're professional or you're like a beginner, it's like you can go do like a racecation or – you can even as a pro, like you can just do something that you want to do because it's fun. Uh, and as long as it's a pro field, because <laughs> it is a job. But yeah. And, and I think, I think actually it is, it's like underestimated the value of, of going to a race with your family and then just have a vacation there afterwards. Cause I think it's so, there's so many cool places you can go um, and just, you know, experience like a new culture and, everything around it because yeah. one thing is of course the race then you would have an, an excuse to actually go somewhere that, that's one thing i've i've learned through the years that you know in the beginning i did not really appreciate where i actually went so the places i i did go i i can't really remember to be honest yeah. uh, what i saw or anything because it was only about the racing but now it's more i've, I've been very, very aware of like staying in the present and that that also turned into all of a sudden I actually I enjoy going to new places and seeing like other cultures and and just be with, with the locals and everything. That's it's so cool to actually experience. So you're looking forward to to doing that in Israel? Yeah, definitely. I also think like PTO is so cool and they're doing a lot in the US. I'd say I'd say if you if you have to choose one one race, then yeah. I would go for the PTO events because one one thing is all the best athletes are assembled one in one place, but also like if it's for age groupers or media guys or whatever, it's the courses are great. The PTO are doing a very well good job at like making the sport accessible and also like fun to watch broadcasting wise. Yeah, and I, I think from what I've what I've experienced the last couple of years, it's it's a change in sport to the better and yeah. uh, i really hope i really hope ace groupers also would would uh, show up and support the events because i i really think it's it's the future of the sport it looks really fun it's just like it feels like a very it's a very different vibe exactly i yeah. love it well, uh, it's in, yeah. in a very cool in a very very cool way so uh, yeah i enjoy it well i hope you have the most amazing race in kona thanks a lot money thanks a lot for having me on your podcast i enjoyed it Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com.